0: Resilient and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is The Business of Blueberries. Here's your host, President of the U.S. High Bush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist.
1: Well, welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Now, one big story to hit the blueberry category this past fall was the California-based Fertura announced they were acquiring two berry businesses, both Sunbell and Giddings Fruit. So joining me today is David Krause, CEO of Fertura. I'm looking forward to this conversation, learning more about David and his company, and getting his perspective on the future of blueberries. Before joining Fertura, David served as the president of Wonderful Citrus, the largest integrated growing packer and shipper of fresh citrus in the world with 58 thousand plus acres of company-owned and operated farmland in California, Texas, and Mexico. David, thanks for joining me on The Business of Blueberries. Thank you, Casey. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's a pleasure. Uh, You know, I think for those who may not have known who you were before you jumped right into the thick of things, uh, I thought we'd just start off by talking about who you are, learning more about David. I understand you started your career in agriculture as soon as you could ride a bicycle. So maybe you could tell us a little bit more about that.
2: Yeah, not a very interesting story, Casey, and a short one at that. But you're you're right. I, I basically have grown up in this industry, um, lived my whole life in the Reedley area, and lucky enough to be able to work at a fairly young age in agriculture in various different roles. So it's been my life, and enjoy it thoroughly. Still live in the same region today.
1: Excellent. Yeah, I had the opportunity to meet you down there recently, and and a lot of ag going on down there and, and certainly something that you can see the whole community, culture, everything down in the Valley here in California uh, represented there. So maybe talk a little bit about what, you know, your journey from there to Pertura itself.
2: Yeah, it's an it's a interesting story, I think, at least from my perspective. Uh, I have a little different background than perhaps some at, at this level. Um, I'm a product of the, you know, the industry, if you will. I have a junior college degree. But I've spent most of my life learning in the trenches, if you will, or in the field. So come from that level of experience, having worked my way up from you know basic ag jobs all the way up until you know, probably the most notable, as you mentioned, is I spent a little over 20 years at the wonderful company in the citrus division and had some wonderful experiences and exposure and learnings through that process. And then uh, at some point, after, you know, a couple decades, you want to start thinking about perhaps doing some things differently or doing something else in your life. And for me, it was uh, the thought of going back to farming a little bit more. I already have some properties, my wife and I have. We thought that and a little consulting, a little board work. And the next thing you know, uh, those engagements became fortura in concept. And then eventually, as we started making acquisitions, and I ultimately took on the role as the CEO in that launch phase. And, and here we are today.
1: Incredible. So tell us a little bit more about Fertura. then, you know, the foundings of Futura, uh, what it represented before you jumped into blueberries and, and how you see your role in, in kind of that global blueberry industry.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually a path I give credit to Lois Freight. Lois was a principal at RRG, which is Renewable Resources Group, which is our parent, if you will, or our primary funding source for Fritura. Lois had this concept, and at that time, obviously, it didn't have a name, um, but I started helping her form the idea around this and a strategy for deployment that ultimately became the basis of Fritura which was uh, focus on six crops that have high growth potential with the consumer. Uh, they're important enough and big enough in terms of category to matter for the customer. And then diversify the supply base so that you can be a 52-week supplier to the customers that you deliver to. And so with that, we, we took off and um, sort of fine-tuned that strategy and then ultimately started making acquisitions to build that out. Starting primarily in Latin America, and then ultimately to where we are today, discussing these two berry companies that get us into the the blueberry space with a lot of excitement. Finally, it's our last big crop and commodity to add to the portfolio. Yeah, what ones? What What are the other ones? Just for reference, probably the biggest uh, position Casey is in table grapes, and um, then would come citrus, avocados, um, now berries more broadly, not just the blueberries. And then we have smaller position in mangoes and cherries.
1: Yeah. So that the, the blueberry acquisition, it rounds out all those growth targets that you, you had as a company. And so as you think about the role of Furtura, of you know, what opportunities do you see in the marketplace for a company to be successful in the blueberry
2: category? Yeah, it's it's our sort of last and most notable set of acquisitions um the space to us is really attractive as you can imagine i think what what you've done in in terms of increasing consumption and awareness around the category you cannot think about blueberries without being excited about the potential growth that they continue to see around the globe so for us was you know, it, it took a while. This is a tough space to find and a lot to learn. And I, I would say we have a whole lot more to learn. But we were able to ultimately find these two companies that create this really interesting vertical, um, one primarily focused on production, the other one really a distribution company. And by combining the two, we get this wonderful vertical platform that really puts us in that space. I mean, it's not very often that you get to sort of, do two acquisitions almost simultaneously to build a vertical.
1: Yeah. I think when the news broke, for those who had seen this thing come together kind of as one, did it start off as one or did it, was there always imagination in how it could become two and, and maybe for some perspective, like how long does it take to put a deal like that together?
2: Those are great questions. And and i will say it takes a long time and a lot of patience and and no they didn't come together it sort of one led to the other um as often does right you sort of follow a trail and then you get traction and the next thing you know you, it grows on you and that's the way this transaction happened um we've been in discussions for well over a year now to be honest and it takes that time and patience to put together great companies like this and and get them to the finish line so Obviously, we're very excited about doing that. It's been a long path and culmination, but all good things are worth waiting for. Hey Amen. And
1: you talked about the synergies of the vertical integration, but you know, just for others who may not know these companies as well, uh, the production and the marketing arm, but what, what, what other synergies do you see in this acquisition for Futura?
2: Well, for us, it's not just the, the blueberry space or the berry space. It's the linkage that we have across those six commodities that I, I mentioned earlier. So we have another distribution company within the portfolio called They Can Hack It. Well, Sunbell is already working together with They Can Hack It, and they're sharing customer mix, and they're sharing stories about where do you have penetration, how can you help me, you know, distribution, you know, leveraging. That's the concept around Fratura is take a group of companies in different crops and figure out how to drive synergy by putting them all in one common family. And so we, we have a fair amount of work to do in that area, but we see a lot of potential and a lot of very interesting things and, and vice versa. Sunbell has a wonderful distribution network across the U S and we'll use that for our other crops and distribution. We can reach every customer in the U S market within call well, it like two days.
1: Excellent. Well, there's a lot more here that I want to talk about. Um, but, First, it's time for our crop report. So we continue to receive these reports from Peru, Chile, and Mexico throughout this winter season. So here, once again, is your Blueberry Crop Report.
0: It's time for your Blueberry Crop Report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today, you'll hear from Daniel Bustamante in Peru and Mario Ramirez in Mexico. This was recorded on January 4th, 2024.
3: Hello, this is Daniel with a crop report from Peru until the end of week 52 that ran from December 25th to December 31st. So far, this season that started in week 18 until the current week 52, Peru has shipped a total of 396 million pounds of fresh blueberries to the world, which is 30% less volume than what was shipped during the same period last season. The U.S. remains as the main destination for Peruvian blueberries, representing 54% of the total shipments so far followed by Europe with 29%, China with 13%, and other markets accounting for the remaining 4%. Of the total volume shipped, 11% have been organics. During week 52, Peru shipped a total of 14.1 million pounds, which is 22% less volume than last week, but slightly more than the weekly volume reported by ProArandanos in December's projections. The U.S. market represented 64% of the, of the shipped uh, volume with uh, 9.1 million pounds, which is 12% less volume than uh, what was shipped last week. And this volume should be arriving to the U.S. market between the third week of uh, January and the fourth. The other markets where Peru shipped blueberries to this week were Europe with 26% of the volume, China with 8%, and other destinations with 2%. This has been the Peruvian Crop Report for the last week of 2023. Thank you. Here money with the Mexican Blueberries Report
4: for Week 52 of 2023 from December 25 to December 31. During Week 52, Mexico exported a total of 1,500,000 pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide. And from this volume, 70,000 pounds were to Europe and Asia. And of the total volume goes to North America 1 million and 300,000 pounds Good volumes of organic blueberries continue That week 18% of the total volume were organic blueberries It means 220,000 pounds mainly to North America The exportation volume keeps growing week by week From week 51 to 52, the growth was 10%, but Mexico still have a slow season. It is 60% lower comparing the volume of this week with the same for the previous season. The total volume for all the season is it's 14 million. It means a decrease of 48% if we compare it with the volume at the same week for the previous season. We have no affectations in weather reported, and that's all in my report. Thank you very much. Well, thanks so much to our
1: busy growers and colleagues who take time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website, ushbc.org forward slash data to find our data and insight center to see more about what's happening in our blueberry industry. So visit us there at ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out okay let's go back to today's conversation with David. David. Uh, again, we were just talking about those synergies at which you're combining these companies and making Fratura vertically integrated but also across a number of different commodities. You're a young company, but you're made up of a number of really established players in these spaces. So how do you make sure you maintain the advantage of both the new approaches and of course you know leaning into experience like yours uh, over the years at the wonderful company how 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 are you seeing? the combination of that being effective
2: for Futura? Yeah, that's a great question, Casey. I think you got to kind of unpack and go back to the acquisition strategy. We don't acquire any business where we don't retain the management. The management team must stay on with the business. So it's really important to us. We're buying companies with good teams and we want to keep them, obviously, so they keep that continuity. And then if you do that, then my job's a lot easier, right? Then it's only about how do you lift them or make them better, if you will, by either connecting them to a new peer across the aisle in a different crop or figuring out how to leverage synergies across the platform in some way, shape, or form. So I think it's the combination of that, making sure that you capture and retain the existing management teams. And then two is then you, you expose them, share best practices. I give you a perfect example of twice a year, I take the entire executive team to an offsite. We were just in Santiago, Chile two weeks ago, where we're talking about all the businesses and the interaction across them is really uh, justifying, satisfying, if you will.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it's very dynamic, just you know, being able to facilitate the dot connecting that can go on uh, like you were describing even the, those that you're you're saying that Sunbell as an example brings to you know the other commodities outside of the berries that, that you guys are working with just watching that platform be built I'm sure that has to be very rewarding to see those uh, those kinds of connections being
2: made yeah, I tell you, Casey, if you could see inside those rooms, right, and imagine you're talking about founders and CEOs that have been in these businesses a long time, whether it's Janice at Sunbell or the Giddings team, sitting beside Tim Daca, founder of Hack Hackett and or any one of our other production groups, the interaction is just incredible, right? You feel a little insignificant in a crowd of CEOs like that because uh, they're just all top-notch companies and top-notch performers.
1: Absolutely. Well, I wanna hear your thoughts on the go forward. So you mentioned earlier that the, that the Blueberry acquisition was was, I think you put it, the most notable acquisition, kind of rounding out your portfolio here for Futura and and you know the the runway that you see ahead for blueberries you know what what was it you know that made it so motivating to get into blueberries you know what is it specifically that you're referring to when you see how big the opportunity is obviously we've got you know USHBC some sense of how big it could be given you know where we stand today with the consumption household penetration you know pounds per person per capita and a number of things that we've been dissecting here at the council but What is it for you, David? What 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 gets you excited about this category?
2: Yeah, again, you've done such great work with the council in terms of the numbers and the metrics. I won't begin, but one doesn't, you know, just has to have a pulse to understand what the potential consumption and how much the growth in this particular area has been. When you're in fresh produce and you think about, you know, the growing categories, you have to be in blueberries, right? It's just So much runway. And at the same time, it's such an interesting space. Again, learning so much. Global supplies feeding a 52 week consumer are critical, and the moving parts within that. And then you lay on top of that the genetics transitions that the industry is going through, through varietal changes that I think are going to deliver even better eating quality experiences for consumers that should feed further consumption growth and household penetration. I know you're focused on the US market, but the same goes for other global markets as well. So for for us, that's the thing that really gets us up in the morning and thinking about why we needed to be in this space and what the potential is. And it looks, I won't say limitless, but it sure has a lot of runway, especially compared to a lot of other more mature commodities.
1: Yeah, well, having just watched in a week's time, Without getting specific in terms of pricing at the retail level you know just the elasticity the question of it like how much are people willing to pay against how many households do we serve the velocity of purchase it's it's so dynamic and yet continues to grow in this last season we had a we had the situation with production coming out of Peru um, but that didn't it seemed to just create fervor for the category uh, and needing to get that supply back into the retail space and then of course questions of uh, how much are consumers willing to pay in a limited or shorter supply of fruit during a window? And yet, you know, we just saw continued success at the volume of fruit that we did have going through that marketplace.
2: Yeah. I have to be honest, you know, call it four to six weeks ago as we saw this situation in Peru unfold and we have a Peruvian division and we were quite fearful that the prices that we were seeing were going to just stall out consumption. And it, it slowed it a little bit and again you have the data more than I do but it didn't do what one thought right it just kept going and going and i just that's what gets you really excited about the potential here
1: yeah well and 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 kind of as we look at you know looking at like a billion pounds over the next 5 years showing up at retail you know it's 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 something that you know we're we're focused on and needing to work together because you know we don't want to see the volume impact the value over time, and so right now we can see where there's this uh, important opportunity to see as an industry that you want to continue to attract that consumer to be willing to participate in the category, even when times are tight, and at the same time bring in those new households who may not have otherwise thought to afford what the value is of blueberries. But what do you see for us as a category from your perspective? You know, maybe I'm I'm asking you more specifically, leaning into your experience. At wonderful the kinds of things an industry needs to do together uh, strategically to put ourselves in a position to win in the future.
2: Yeah. These are tough, often tough, you know, discussions and, and challenges, right? Especially where you see, uh, again, I, my, my history, I was lucky enough to be around some very concentrated brands with high market share where you could really be the market maker and mover. Not so easy here fragmentation. I you know challenges you luckily you do have the council and the council's work helping lift the tide for all all boats but going forward i think that continues to be a challenge and to me we always had our best successes when we focused on the consumer how can we deliver the best experience to the consumer via eating quality and condition and i think that potential continues to be very attractive and exciting but that is going to require the industry to stay up, you know, and, and perhaps grow the next generation of blueberry that will excite the consumer and bring them back so that repeat sales can lift and repurchase cycles, you know, shrink and contract and they're back in the store. We need to do that by delivering the best quality we can as an industry to the consumer every single time.
1: And and what's your take on, I mean, your experience with Wonderful as, you know, a a massive marketer to, you know, consumer, consumer lifestyle, basically branding and the kind of resource that you have to have in order to move that needle. So, you know, the strategy of variety against the volume that's coming, uh, what's your take on the industry's overall approach to winning that consumer and maintaining that value proposition well, these new varieties come in, but also the volume continues to grow.
2: Yeah, it's tricky, right? Um, educating the consumers, as you know, and, and moving the consumer can be very costly. Um, so in the case of uh, an association like yours versus the, you know, the previous past where you had a really high concentration, Wonderful had an incredible expertise built into the organization through the Resnex and their capabilities. It's unique to be able to do that around privately held businesses. In, in this case, I think you have to rely on what we would call rifle shots, being very careful and selective about where you spend your money and how you reach the consumer. But where you have been very successful is in health benefits and media and social media and outreach. And again, I think that we're winning in that area and as an industry. And I think that your continued efforts being the aggregator of that effect because no one else can singularly do it on their own, is really important. And I think that's what we're finding too. It's the aggregation
1: of almost the example you shared about having those CEOs in one room. Uh, what, what I've experienced certainly here at the council with people like yourself who, who have a point of view on how big that opportunity could be working together because no one of these companies could do it alone, but working together, there's opportunities that each have seen in the go forward, even in the circumstance where we're seeing basically this rising of volume against the need to maintain value and to bring those resources and those prices back to our growers, so as we go forward from here, you know, what do you see as as some of the potential threats? Are there things that you think about that you know the industry needs to be taking under consideration related to you know growth trajectory?
2: Yeah, g- g- great question, and there's probably several, and I, I won't necessarily get them all right, but. Again, I'll go back to what I said earlier. I think you got to stay focused on delivering the right fruit and quality to the consumer. I think we're going to see some, call it a sawtooth effect, right? Where supply grows faster than consumption in certain periods of time. And then as consumption continues to move, it'll catch up. Um, Supply imbalances from production region, you know, place to place, globe to globe imports versus regional production you know in, in the US. Those imbalances from time to time will be painful and they'll ultimately smooth out as consumption continues to grow if we keep focused on doing the right thing for the consumer so that we don't turn the consumer off. I, I think the rest is just kind of the nature of the beasts, right? We often, as growers, we overplant in a particular region, get a little too overzealous, and then there's some pain. And then the adjustment takes place, and then you move on. In this case, luckily, you've got increase in consumption, so it's just kind of a matter of time between those balancing out and bringing back equilibrium between the supply and the demand.
1: Yeah, I mean, from your perspective, you know, we're looking at a, a current consumption level of just six point four pounds per year, which I think is remarkable given what I think the industry generally thinks about itself, or at least when we are thinking about how many blueberries are in the market against you know the the pressures of the supply and demand curve um, but really 6.4 pounds is not a lot given what other probably commodities you're experienced with or or where we think blueberries could be in households in the future
2: i agree completely i think there's several key elements right the production of your users i'm going to guess that in those user sets are some high potential high users frequency and volume that give you an indication of what the potential looks like. And then if you marry that with your household penetration and the number of new consumers that you could bring to the category, those numbers are immense, right? Small movement in per capita consumption can be a complete market maker. I mean, we could find out that we don't have enough supply in many parts and times of the season because of the potential change in just those two facts, right? Pounds consumed per user and then new households are new consumers. And that's what I think gets us the most exciting it's that the potential that this industry has. Same. Yeah. You know, we
1: use avocados as a, uh, you know, and I may have shared this with you when we met earlier, but just that the avocado industry and and, and of course, no surprise that we have Kevin Hamilton with us as our vice president today, uh, who was formerly with the avocados from Mexico team. Um, but we've used them as the example because there's a good case study where, you know, case of 18 years, I think 18, 20 years was the, the look back. Uh, they saw an eight time increase of pounds coming into the market while holding the real price. And uh, it, it's no small feat, but it's one that we're certainly aspiring to as blueberries because that's, that's the kind of thing I think our stakeholders expect is that the, how do you keep this thing? How do you, How do you accomplish the dual mandate of maintaining the value of the product while driving an increasing amount of supply for fifty two weeks a year.
2: I totally agree. And I think it's a very, you know, apropos comparison, because I think about the same thing. How do you lift consumption for the North American producer? You make the product available to the consumer fifty-two weeks of the year so they never go they never take it off their list. And that is how we both win, right? Whether you're on the import side or whether you're on the domestic production side. And for us, it, we're agnostic, right? We want to satisfy customers and consumers by having great product available 52 weeks of the year. And I think that's the avocado story, right? It's, it's so interesting, right? What was in the early days, you know, extremely fearful by the domestic producers. And there were all of these issues ended up being advantageous for both sides.
1: Now, are there other commodities that you look at, at that inspire you? David, in terms of what blueberries could look more like or become in the future?
2: Well, I, I, I don't know, Casey. I'd say that the blueberries is so unique at this moment. I mean, I, I look back at our launch of the Easy Peel Mandarin through you know, both the Cutie program and then ultimately Halos. That success in terms of what consumption growth can look like when you put the right product in front of a consumer that eats good and meets their expectations. It's just amazing what can happen, and I think Blueberries is exactly positioned to be the same. Is it gonna be easy? No, thank goodness we have folks like you and telling the story and putting some effort behind that, and how we continue to do that as a collective group I think is important. It goes back to the avocado story, right? They did it because they came together as an association and really put their effort together instead of trying to whack each other. They they said, let's work together to try to lift this thing. And I think we'll have to continue to do that as well.
1: Well, it's going to be great to get to know your leadership uh, through Futura and certainly, you know, continuing to work with Giddings and, and, and Sunbelt through Futura. Uh, talk a little bit about the full integration. What does that full integration look like five years from now?
2: Yeah, I guess the short answer case is I'm not exactly sure, right? So it's very early days for us. But imagine in in my mind is that the wall between these two separate companies virtually disappears. So Sunbell, Janice, and her team are just excellent at understanding the market, great customer relations. If they can translate that supply, demand, what they need, when they need it, back to our producing company and in, in terms of gettings, varietal selections, locations, all of that. Um, that's where I think we really unlock a lot of value in the vertical. And then we'll focus on all the logistics stuff that says how do we get the best product from the field to the DC, to the customer as quickly as we possibly can. Those would be some key areas for us that we, we wanna unlock value. Strategically looking at what we need, when we need it, and what's the right quality. And then how do we produce that in the most efficient way and get it to customers and consumers as quickly as we possibly can? Excellent.
1: Well, and, and from your early jump into the category, what, what's been your favorite part?
2: Hey, that's a great question as well. It's, it's, I will say it this way. It's my favorite part and it scares me the most as well. This space has more going on in terms of varieties than I ever gave it credit for. And the genetic options that are coming at producers around the globe, and marketers as well, is unbelievable. I I see it as like a new frontier. It's just, it's absolutely incredible. All the number of varieties, the quality of varieties, the different characteristics of the different varieties in low chill, high chill, it is absolutely mind boggling. And I don't pretend to understand it all that well, but it excites me. And at the same time, it, it does make me nervous, right? Because it's you got to have the right stuff. And that means capital investments. That means, you know, being not fearful of taking stuff out that doesn't meet the you know, customer's expectation.
1: Yeah, I was enjoying a conversation with my son this weekend about he was eating a clamshell on his own. And in one clamshell, he likes to just keep eating them because he doesn't know what the next one's going to taste like. And so it was, you know, enjoyable to watch him, you know, go through that one at a time because, you know, one's going to taste different than the other. But to your point about genetics, you know, our vision for ourselves is something completely different, right? Is that the, that clamshell sells the next clamshell because you ate through that one and it was, it was all consistently good and tastes the same. And there's, there's so much, you know, as as you describe, you know, being with the table grape industry, when those acknowledgements started to come through the marketplace, apples probably did the same thing when they started to, to really focus on, on varieties. A question that still remains for what that means for blueberries as we go forward from here because of where genetics can take us.
2: Agree completely. And I think that's the tricky part about this journey, right? If we get it right, then we unlock in the same way that, as you mentioned, table grapes are now doing, right? The genetics are sort of automatic to the consumer. Mandarins, I think easy peel mandarins, we focused on certain varieties that deliver the same experience every single time. When you reach those kind of breakthroughs, then the sort of the paradigm shift can be really dramatic. But here, the industry, it's going to be a challenge, right? Because we've got to convert some stuff, can't keep hanging on to it. Um, All producers got to kind of row in the same direction. And that isn't always easy. But I think that the potential is is very, very interesting in my mind.
1: Well, this has been a a fantastic discussion, and and I know I'm going to save a little bit more for the next time we talk, because I would love to have you back. You know, after you know some of the the water settles, so to speak, for you there, and this acquisition into the business and uh, the work you're doing there with Sunbell and Giddings. It was big news when it broke. It's certainly been great to get to know you in the capacity that you've had. Is there anything else you'd like to share before I let you go?
2: You know, I've enjoyed the time and I appreciate this, Casey. I would say that I know so little compared to Janice and Julio Giddings, the founders of those two great companies, and I have a tremendous amount of respect and they are teaching me every single day something about this industry. So thank you for your time and I appreciate it very much. And and thank you for the work that you're doing for the industry.
1: Well, it's our pleasure again, and, and maybe that's a future episode in and of itself. So it would be great to have you back. Uh, and and best wishes, uh, you know, to the to the team's effort as you go through the the process of you know vertically integrating and certainly working across all those categories that you guys represent. I can see that as a really exciting uh, future ahead for Fortura. So thank you for being on the show today.
2: Thank you, Casey. My pleasure.
1: Well, that's it for episode one hundred and sixty. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries.